today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right. Uh, you know, we're talking about COVID and Afghanistan and a lot of things that aren't necessarily uh, fun in the world or uh, enlightening. So uh, let's talk about chocolate. Uh, the key to perfectly smooth chocolate has been uh, has been discovered at the University of Guelph. There you have it. Uh, all of a sudden, I want to get into uh, you know research and food and health and 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 be a food doctor, like Dr. Alejandro Maragoni, a professor, Canada Research Chair, Food, Health, and Aging, University of Guelph, and is with us now. Doctor, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, how exciting is it to be working with chocolate? Oh, you can't believe it. We have to hold back the students not to eat their experiments. <laughs> <laughs> so explain in layman's terms, layperson terms, what you're trying to do or what you've done here. Well, maybe, maybe not. You're an aficionado of chocolate making, and uh, one of the most critical steps in making chocolate, even at home, is to get it to solidify right after you make your chocolate mass and you want to mold it into a nice little bar, a nice confection. And if it's eating chocolate particularly, you have to temper it. And uh, maybe you've seen the guy with the white hats that seem to be slushing chocolate, molten chocolate on little on marble tables. And what those guys are trying to do is to get it to crystallize. Believe it or not, the cocoa butter and the chocolate crystallizes in a, in, a, in a form, in a crystal form that gives you the right melting, the right gloss, and the right snappiness. So it's fairly complicated, and you, you need to be like a fairly decent chocolatier to do that. Uh, I was just about to say, uh, how much of this is reliant on the individual who is doing this? Oh, those guys are experts. And if you actually check out the videos in the Internet of these guys, they look really intense because they got to do it at a certain temperature for a certain time. And they, you know, they put it on the table, then they scrape it off, put it back in their bucket, do it over and over and over again until they get just the right crystal form. And they're just judging from how thick it is and how glossy it is. And you can imagine that doing that industrially, even for a small manufacturer, super hard, right? You don't have like a battery of guys with white hats, you know, around in the factory. Mm-hmm. So you have machines that do this, but even those are not 100%. So here comes what we actually did. So uh, is obviously this is the reason why it's hard to find or harder to find two chocolate products that taste exactly the same. Chocolate always seems to taste different. Is that accurate? Yeah, but you know, that is that is a cool point because uh, you can actually have chocolates that come from different origins. They can come from West Africa, from Ghana, the Ivory Coast, from Ecuador, from Malaysia, from China, from Brazil, and each one of those will have its own flavor. But then you've probably seen all the commercial chocolates. They can be, what, 50% cocoa and 70% cocoa and 90%. All of those have different flavors too. So different sources, different percentages of cocoa, and then, of course, comes the way that you make it. Uh, which is more what we were looking at, is how the manufacturer of it, the tempering process particularly affects that, that flavor and that texture, that snap and that gloss. All right, on that note, how do you make chocolate? Then we'll talk about specifically what you've done. What is the process? Oh, that's really complicated, but here it goes. Um, so the plant grows in the tropics, right? And it, it looks like a, like a melon. And inside the melon, there's this seeds that have a seed coat, like uh, think about peanuts, <laughs> peanuts mm-hmm. embedded in a melon. And you, you get them out and you, uh, you take out the flesh and you ferment them, meaning you let them rot in boxes or in heaps. And then once that is done, you grab those uh, fermented seeds, you dry them 
Once they're dried, sometimes that's when they get exported. And up here, they roast them. Then they have to remove the shell, right? They have to break it and remove it. Then they take the, the roasted cotyledon, the seed inside, right? And they grind it into a chocolate liquor, they call it. It's just molten ground chocolate. To that, they add more cocoa butter, and which is a cocoa fat, right? And sugar and maybe milk if you make a milk chocolate. Then they have to grind it. They call it refining to make it really fine and smooth so it's not gritty in your mouth, right? And then it goes to something called conching, and the conching gets rid of all the acidic notes, like uh, the acetic acid that made your fermentation when you get really acidic chocolate, and it also grinds it down more. And finally, you got your stuff there, which is ready now to be tempered and then to create some crystals in the right form, and then it's put in the mold, and now you have your molded chocolate. That sounds pretty long, eh? No, I'm getting hungry here. So this, so what <laughs> University of Guelph is up to here is you're trying to make the tempering process more consistent and efficient. Is that accurate? Absolutely. You don't need me for this interview. You got it 100%. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so, I mean, what we discovered is like, so people were looking, oh, you know, is the, is the cocoa butter or the chocolate comes from Ghana, West Africa? What is the composition? How does that affect uh, the tempering process? And some people actually use uh, grated pieces of good chocolate and they throw it into the molten chocolate not to, at the right temperature, and that's how they get the right form without having to do too much effort. But what we discovered is that nobody had focused on the minor components, like the 3-4% of other stuff that is present in your cocoa butter, in your chocolate. And those are like, uh, they're also lipids, they're also fat-like oil substances, but they're not like, they're not the things that make up the cocoa butter, but they come in from the extraction process. You heard about this long line of extraction. So they're remnants from the cell walls, remnants from the cell membranes, things like that. And we started looking at really low amounts of those, like 0.1% and their effects on tempering, and boom, we characterized them all, but found one of them, which is a natural component in there that actually made everything crystallize really fast and go to the right crystal form without having to go through this whole hullabaloo. And, um, and so that was like quite remarkable that you can just add a little bit of this natural component and it seeds the whole material to go the right crystal form without having to wear a white hat. So who would use this information, doctor, and how could this change the industry moving forward? Well, I think that I, I really think that the small and medium-sized manufacturer is limited really by not having these gigantic tempering powers that the big uh, uh, manufacturers like Nestle, like Mars, like Mondelez have three stories high in which they're pumping this chocolate upwards and it gets cooled and scraped and, and heated and cooled again. And they have to use real small units, which are very good, but they're limited in size. So now with this procedure, they can have better productivity and also their, um, their product will be more consistent time over time. Uh, so the small to medium uh, um, sort of size manufacturer, but as well for the home use. If you went that far and you're really like, you know, hell bent on uh, on making well tempered chocolate, um, you would you would have less aggravation by using a, a small amount of this natural ingredient. And I think for the large guy, it would be almost be like an insurance policy, right? I'm going to add this extra component in my existing process. I'm going to make sure that not 70 percent, but maybe 90 percent of my product is well tempered which is what prevents the chocolate from like a blooming or being too soft or too crumbly or having the, the, wrong, the wrong texture. This sounds obviously like a very, very complicated process at this point. Who discovered this? Where did it originate? It, we, we did it. And this is why a little bit the excitement uh, that is happening right now, we managed to, uh, to, um, to characterize the effects of these minor components just now and today 
it was the uh, news embargo came out of Nature Communications, which you know the the Nature publication is sort of at the top of the uh, of the heap in uh, in the scientific publication world, and they were impressed enough to allow some lowly food scientists to publish their work there about chocolate. But I think everybody loves chocolate enough to to let us in. So uh, my my initial question was the origins of chocolate. Where did it come from? Where who oh. discovered it? Because it's such a complex process to create it from uh, its origin. H- how was where when did this all happen? Wow, you're asking a good one there. It's um, the Mayans in uh, in Mexico. The, mm. the 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 original chocolate came from the Yucatan Peninsula, Mexico, and even before mm. the Mayans, there was a civilization called the Olmecs. And uh, those guys made like huge uh, statues of, you know, heads made out of stone. And at one point, um, at one point, uh, cocoa was considered currency and only consumed by the aristocracy. So Theobroma cacao is the uh, technical name for the plant, which is the food from the gods. Because uh, somebody at one point must have been eating, I think, the cocoa fruit. And then maybe they threw some seeds into the fire and they got roasted. And that's when you develop the flavor, right? The chocolate wow. flavor, and maybe that's how it all came to be. But yeah, the Mexicans or the inhabitants of the of the area that is current Mexico, um, yeah, currency, and it used to have an exchange rate. You could you could exchange cocoa seeds as money. Uh, many, of course, have a very weak spot for chocolate. Is it good for you or is it bad for you? Well, the million-dollar question, that's always, as they say, in moderation, right? I mean, if you have your two squares of some nice dark chocolate, uh, I personally like 70%, 60% cocoa, so I like a little sweetness in there, and you're not eating, you know, one kilogram per day. Um, there's, uh, there's some good fat in it, and there's good antioxidants in it, and uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, so, no, many people have talked about the beneficial effects of chocolate, besides the fact that it makes you happy and relaxed, which goes a long way of make, to making you healthy, right? Boy, it's been around an awful long time to certainly have anybody speak out against it. It, it certainly has lasted through its critics. Absolutely, absolutely, and for good reason. Uh, Alejandro uh, Moran, uh, I'm screwing up your name now, uh, Alejandro Maragani, uh, yeah. Professor, Canada Research Food Chair, Health and Aging, University of Guelph. They are perfecting the art of chocolate. Doctor, thanks so much for the time and insight. Enjoy, and uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.